We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm up your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. What's up, CMOS girlies? Live from New York, it's Kate and Emma. We're coming to you with a pod on Monday night. You will hear this tomorrow morning in like a few hours if you're one of the girlies that listens to it at like midnight when it drops. How's it going, Emma? It's going good. Yeah, quick turnaround. We just do not sleep over here, but that's what you do when you love doing a podcast for the people. I'm good. If people can't tell, I'm clearly very, very congested. Um, yeah. Something is up in the air. I don't know. I woke up one day last week feeling bogged up in the nose and I was like mm, I don't love this for me and I was trying to tell myself that it wasn't allergies I don't know why I'm like mm, I can't get allergies even though anyone can yeah. I definitely think it probably was allergies and then also the fact that it's been cold again in New York and like rainy and drizzly and I just am not wearing winter coats or anything anymore and so when I bike home from swimming I have like wet hair and it's definitely windy and 43 degrees out um but I'm getting over it I've been taking so much freaking turmeric which I actually think has been helping and yeah. eating a lot of honey, drinking bone broth. Dude, um, it's so that's funny. That's my health update. <laughs> no, it's so funny. I had that health update. I'm over my like fallen status, which was like for a few days. And I had the same thing with you where I was like, I've never gotten allergies before. It can't be allergies. And every bitch I know was like allergies. So I was like, okay, fine. Um, I ran out of my propolis bee spray thing by Beekeepers Naturals, which is like an immunity like lifesaver reordered. So it'll be in my hands soon, but I've already kind of gotten through it. Last night on TikTok, well, I, I get a few interesting things on my For You page. I'm on this total like murder mystery like guy did you get this guy like ken who's like talking um, about no i actually deleted tiktok from my phone just because i have so much stuff that i have to do this week and i'm like i cannot have a distraction <laughs> amazing look at emma and her self-control anyways got i'm getting a bunch of weird like murder videos um i got one that was like right before i went to bed and it was like 
marijuana induced psychosis um as i was about to take an edible before my run monday morning which i still did do um so that was an awesome one to get before bed and then the next one it was a girl eating garlic cloves and someone in the comment because she was sick and someone in the comment section because i've heard about that before said that you should cut like cut it open for 15 minutes because that weird word whatever it is allison yes um, yes gets out and then someone's like if you struggle to swallow garlic cloves or chew them or in your little bites get a spoonful of honey and then put the garlic like in it and i was like fuck that's like a yeah i'm gonna do that the next time i have something um yeah i've eaten raw garlic cloves before because my dad also eats raw garlic cloves for that reason but it honestly i don't know if i'm allergic to raw garlic but i truly it makes me want to vomit every single time i do it so i don't do it anymore but yeah the allison thing throwback to the bon appetit days i like learned that from the guy brad um, he always talked about how you have to like crush the garlic and let it sit for 10 minutes for the Allison to basically become bioavailable or whatever that process is. But yeah, garlic is another good one. I've been adding a lot of ginger stuff, like the frozen ginger cubes from Trader Joe's have been kind of a lifesaver just to like add into smoothies and shit. That's fun. Dude, I also listened to this podcast and it was talking about how if you have um, your throat itch- itchy when you eat certain vegetables and they mentioned that and I thought of you with the eggplant but yeah. I forgot what the diagnosis was it's like you don't have an enzyme or, or you're allergic to it or something like that because there was someone saying like I can drink apple juice but anytime I eat an apple my throat like gets like scratchy um, and so the, it says that over time you get allergic to certain things but it can be cured and reversed and all that stuff so that's probably like if you can eat hummus but not eggplants so that's all to say I've been listening to new podcasts I just went Thanks. Fu- me too okay. oh my god let's compare fucking those i went into the podcast app and i just downloaded stuff that i was like you know what sure so i have a shit ton of my feed that i haven't listened to today um i found that peter atia has a podcast um i just heard have heard him on other podcasts he also has a book that is out mel robbins is like super like psychology positivity like girl boss like boomer woman that i was like okay this like could be new i re-downloaded all of my political podcasts i was like kate why did we stop doing this i just i got a point where i was consuming too much information and then i got crazy so yesterday when it was raining i caught myself listening to like my legal podcasts um while i was stretching and it felt back to like 2021 but i felt like a new woman it wasn't in like a dark and twisted way so that was fun um what pods do you have i feel like those are the only um ones. yeah i mainly only have two but i've been listening to the gray area it's a podcast through vox and oh, yeah, i love that pod it, yeah i've been listening to it for a few months now but it's kind of like a they have like a bit of a philosophical take on a lot of like cultural and like political events that are going on but they have like really interesting topics that have and they always have really good takes yeah. and then i started listening to broken record if anyone's into music it's a good podcast basically rick rubin will just interview different artists and it feels more like a conversation versus some person from a magazine being like what was the inspiration behind the song and they have like some incredible um guests on there like i listened to one about beach house which was really cool kate trinata sylvanesto's mm-hmm. on there um i've just been trying to diversify the range just because i think sometimes the health and wellness ones i'm like i want to learn or listen to something different um but i am getting back into the health and wellness podcast so that feels good because i definitely took a hot break from it which i think was also a good thing 
Yeah, I think sometimes you just get so used to the cadence of someone's voice. And I'm curious yeah. if you guys feel that way about us. Where, like, if you're listening to the podcast, you just don't absorb it because the voice isn't, like, exciting or anything like that. Like, when Mark Hyman, when I hear that voice, brain is off. Brain is shut off because I've heard it just so many times. I don't know. Um, maybe that's a me issue. I don't really know about that one. Um, I've also thought about the idea of getting into movies via TikTok. Like, where you can watch 19 parts to a movie. Because um, the idea of me watching one movie entirely awful but i really think i could watch one movie throughout the course of an entire day if you think about it wake up one clip two clip while i'm making coffee stop doing it go on a run um watch my third clip answer emails like you know like that's kind of an interesting i think pursuit for me yeah a lot of people actually recently have been very bothered by the fact that i don't watch movies and I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to buy not changing a subscription for you. and I'm not going to sit down and watch a movie. I'm like, I don't have time. Well, yes, I probably could find time to watch a movie, but I just don't want to spend my way t- ways like that. But yeah. there's a guy at the gym who sent me some like link to watch movies for free. I'm like, I don't know, maybe I do enter my movie era just so I can like be a little bit culture and partake in some conversations because I do feel like I'm missing out on times. But I think like, for my entire family wasn't even, weren't, we weren't movie goers. Like my brothers definitely don't watch movies. I'm like, do people, like, is this something that people actually do? Well, like for me, I, I should start to know the big actors and actresses because oh. someone <laughs> will mention someone really famous and I'm like, what the mm-hmm. fuck who the fuck is Sydney Sweeney like who the fuck is yeah. that or like whenever people are like what are your celebrity crushes I'm like I don't even know what a celebrity is <laughs> I know it's so bad and now I feel like I'm like Matt Healy maybe I don't know I know I'm like now I feel like the, the lines between like influencer and celebrity are a bit blurred that I feel like my answers would probably be like niche internet things that I yeah. think are mega viral and then ever like be like oh octopus lover eight like Jake love him and everyone's like that's a fucking like niche tiktoker that got their following in like one month like that's not like a fucking like movie star um so I don't know I've like my one thing that i've been trying to change this is uh, this is another thing that um what do the girls on binchtopia say when they redacted this is what redacted told me there's a thing on your apple uh, phone called shortcuts and you can make little shortcuts in your daily life that this is really funny i don't know how i didn't send you this already dude uh so it's called shortcuts you can make shortcuts called like take a break make a gif make a shazam shortcut set up your home and so it sends you like little things in productivity ways to like make your phone more efficient like let's say you click start a run it'll automatically turn on your spotify turn on your phone do not disturb check the weather app like open strava so you can do that and you can program it however you want there is one meme maker and so literally what the automated thing is you add this as a shortcut and all you have to do in the meme maker automation thing is you click into it it makes you select a random photo from your phone and it says at the top it says how many lines and it says one or two and then it automatically inputs like makes a meme out of any photo on your camera roll from this shortcut have you made a meme through the shortcut yet? It looks like shitty. Like it looks like those old like 2010 memes where it's like the thick like, <laughs> yeah. action font, you know? Yeah. So I haven't used it, but I've been trying. I've been one of my things I'm going to do this week is play around in this app about shortcuts because it's very mm. interesting. I don't need to get on more productivity, but one thing I need to do is stop checking my phone every two seconds and I, um, I need to figure out how to get out of that habit. Yeah, my mind is blown by that one. I definitely could benefit from that likely, but I'm also too lazy to even go into shortcuts and figure that out. Yeah, same. Um, Anyways, we have a lot of intro topics that I'm like, should we leave these for the next pod? Should we talk about them now? I mean, we might need topics for next week. You never know. 
I'll talk about one of them. Actually, okay, we'll talk about Erwan. So allegedly, yeah. um, Erwan is going to have a pop up in New York. Do you know specifics on it? I just didn't even tap. I into just it. know it's going to be a smoothie shop sometime in June. I don't know what part of New I York think it's, it's going to be. Yeah, I that actually feels correct. I feel like I did read it about it being in Brooklyn. My thing is that I don't really give a shit. I'm not going to go. Like, I don't even feel like I'm missing out as a health and wellness girl that's never been to Erwan. I'm just like, I can buy carrots anywhere. <laughs> like, yeah. it's not that deep. I just know it's going to be so annoying. So annoying. Totally. That's also how I feel about the whole, this is very niche, but the Sandy Liang salmon shoes. Oh like, my everyone's God. Like, freaking out. Like, Let's talk them, like, about it. I'm like, you guys, this is so embarrassing and cringe. Like, everyone that you know is going to be wearing these. Like, you're going to be living in this little bubble. And then, like... It's just gonna it's just gonna become a meme and that's what I, how i feel about the air wants smoothie thing i'm like you guys need to like develop some personalities <laughs> yeah um big agree on the sandy salmon like i love the shoe love them i also love sandy stuff but i feel like there's been like a little bit of a TikTokification of her brand yeah. which is like you know i'm all about accessibility people learning but i think it is like the clear like trend hopping or it is yeah. like wanting to show like i i went to sandy and i got these three things like here's a haul of it like i'm all about it if it's your personal style it fits like doing whatever the fuck you want but it is just strange when it's like out of the woods popping on stuff to hop on stuff yeah or just um, like to buy it to be able to say like oh i have sandy which i get it's like a, a more entry point like price aspirin, point versus yeah. maybe her whatever cardigans or other shoes or her fleeces but yeah just like if you're buying this because it's sandy Ling, i'm like bro there's better looking salmon shoes on the site sorry well, not sorry no and i for my thing with the air one pop-up i totally agree about it's going to become a like trendy thing to do obviously i think i'm just sick of a lot of things in new york getting the lines like there's lines for everything there was an article written a few weeks ago how restaurant prices are like out the roofs i don't go to restaurants enough to actually like monitor and notice that there's lines at everything you can't get reservations at everything and it's like a million more people didn't move here overnight clearly um and i don't know what the problem is or if it isn't even is a problem to blame but my take on the air one thing is like i am not going to be waiting in any sort of godforsaken fucking line to go buy a 20 dollars smoothie not even the fact that it's 20 dollars because you could go get a 20 dollars drink at any fucking bar in new york city like i'm not even pissed about that it's just the the waiting and like the fact that you have to document it on tiktok then and like give a taste test and a review and like i'm also calling myself in the contradictions of that like i do a lot of the shit by nature of like being an influencer but i don't know it just something is like odd specifically about the air one thing i just feel like when that comes it's going to be like see muscarillis hell i don't know yeah. why so you know what you see muscarillis if you live in new york you shouldn't go to the air once really pop up what you should do is go to the new morgan stern's location right. so they reopened a new spot on rivington i think it's like 22 rivington and it's called bananas and basically the whole concept of it is plant-based um soft serve and each soft serve flavor i think has like a different base so like one might be like a base with bananas one might be like a base with hemp seeds or cashews you get it but the flavors look really interesting and fun and morgan Stearns is like our favorite ice cream spot so go there that is where the cool girlies will be this summer eating soft yeah. serve um i catch emma and i there um it sounds an exciting thing our next point like i really love they're dedicated to the theme of a banana 
Um, maybe it's like a tribute to Freely. But speaking on the note of bananas, Oat House, Ali Bonar, you might know it as granola butter. Um, when did they make that brand pivot? I'm trying to remember when that happened. Um, I feel like maybe a year or two like ago. ago. Um, Oat House or granola butter, whatever you know it as, they came out with a banana bread flavor. And I just saw that and I thought of how good the fucking coconut cult banana bread yogurt flavor was. That was like a limited edition thing. Like yeah. genuinely might be one of the top 10 things I've put in my mouth in my life honestly agreed i miss that so much i can like taste it in my mouth right now and i've tried um the banana pudding that's famous from wherever the fuck uh, city magnolia bakery yeah and like that actually is obviously banana pudding with the cream and the sugar and everything but the ban and i'm not being like a bitch that's like it tastes exactly the same but the coconut cult thing was so amazing that i'm like shocked and like stunned every time i think about it that i might have to get this banana bread outhouse to um have some sort of serotonin in my life you know i think you should yeah i think my serotonin is gonna be me ordering goat whey protein yeah please tell me I was more listening, where you found that no i was listening to i think the mark hyman podcast the most one of the most recent ones about like protein and they were talking about how they add goat whey protein to their to their protein smoothies and i was like hmm i'm interested that. into this because i want to try whey proteins i know it's i think a little bit better of a protein source versus a plant-based version Totally. And I found this really cute brand called Mount Capra and it's like a little goat and they have a vanilla flavor and it's like super duper clean. And I think what's interesting is that um, with goat whey protein specifically is that has like the highest level of like branched chain amino acids and it's like more digestible compared to like other whey proteins and other protein powders on the market. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe I like test this out and it's grass fed A2 milk. So I'm like, nothing can go wrong there because I think some people get really bloated or can have acne flare-ups if they do have whey protein um and i'm running out of my sun warrior protein so i'm like "Mm, maybe now's the time maybe it's time on that note i got a tiktok right before we press pod and someone tagged me in it that this one girl orders her cottage cheese from a local farm one of the girls profile she lives in jersey and she gets it from pennsylvania so maybe they could ship to new york city depending on what part of jersey she lives in but on the website of course it's like the most janky like web two or like web one website ever where you like add stuff to cart and you can like add comments and so this young girl left a comment on the cottage cheese and she was like damn your why is your cottage cheese so fire though she gets a call from this small business owner and he's like Hi, Bethany. Um, I just want to let you know why our yogurt is as good as it is. Um, it's because we use a lot of cream and we don't use a lot of milk. And we have a, and it, the cottage cheese, it's obviously like there's probably not processing in the pasteurization. Like I'm kind of – I don't know if this is like oh, a is raw milk Oh, is it like raw? Place. Is it raw? Don't know. Um, but it looks very different than cottage cheese. It looks like yellow um, like in her video. And it's a little bit like denser. But I'm like, fuck, I would – as you tweeted the other day that the Nancy's yogurt is like – or the cottage Dude, cheese there is, is something shit. so off about it. it it's there is, so salty. No, it's not even that it's salty. There's just a really weird tang to it that I can't even describe. But I'm just like, this does not – taste like it should be tasting like this you know no um i hate it and i think when i made the cottage cheese yogurt all i had was that one because all of you fuckers go to whole foods now and get the good cottage cheese culture whatever the good culture cottage cheese. okay you know who is always in stock though the place across the street from me they're always in stock because no one probably buys cottage cheese in the lower east side but i like don't trust any other brand and i'm sure like the whole foods brand or the trader joe's brand is 
I'm sure it's like the same as good culture. Yeah. But I'm just like, I can't trust it. Or there's this one brand that's like whipped, which I tried because they only had that one time. And it was just like, mm, what the fuck are we doing? Here? I don't know if I would love that. No. um, Yeah, it's not good. My cottage cheese thing. I feel like I said this last pod, but it's like the chili crisps and Mary's crackers. Okay. Yeah, I have. I'm, I'm repeating myself. Yeah, you did. Um, anyways, next point. Um, Also, I'm like, wait, what if we just have a whole rambly fucking pod episode? <laughs> Another rambly pod episode. Is that what the girlies want? Or do you guys want to learn about US and Europe? I know. I'm really thinking. The Ninja Creamy, have you gotten that? Oh, you haven't because you're off TikTok. Okay. No, I have seen this a lot and I'm on Reddit. And I feel like I see this brought up on like random Reddit threads that I don't follow all the time because you can make like, yeah, you can make like ice cream from fucking frozen raspberries and it's like super thick, right? Like that's the whole premise of it. Yeah, um, I've just gotten a few videos and then I continue to get more and more of it. And the first video I got was someone like just freeze freezing their fucking like protein shake, like with like it was chocolate, it was a scoop of chocolate protein and water. And then they were like, Yeah, this is like not a Wendy's frosty dupe. It's like gross. But the ones that I've gotten now are actually like attempted recipes. Um, my experience on, or my experience, my opinion on appliance is that, um, I would never purchase an appliance like that because I don't have room for it. Like maybe an air fryer would be nice for me, but like, don't have room for it. I will not be ever getting the Ninja Creamy thing. Um, yeah, I, I have a blender, you know, it's giving for me, like when I first saw those videos, my gut reaction was like, oh, is this banana ice cream? Like, are we really down bad like that again, girls? Like, oh no. And it kind of is, um, because it's pretty specific, like small, like one or two ingredients, whatever you put in there. Yeah, I don't know. Um, my last take is that I'm really bad at cooking chicken. Okay. <laughs> Let's chat. Um, I, I'm not scared to cook any type of raw meat, but I typically lean towards cooking beef because it's so much easier and you just yeah. have to do like salt and pepper versus chicken. I don't know. I just made really bad chicken yesterday and I just had to throw it all away. So it's like, this is really sad and ugly. And there was like no flavor and it was just so dry. And I was like, I'm a, what the fuck did you do? So if anyone has good chicken recipes for me, let me know. Also, my smoke alarm was just going batshit crazy. And I was like, I like need to abort the situation. Um, So a chicken is no for me. I'll just be buying rotisserie chicken from now on. Damn. Food uh, waste, yeah. Emma. We hate Food to waste see it. me. But you know what? I I just have too much self-worth now to to be not consuming or to be eating bad chicken of course um you should never eat bad chicken um emma and i are both obsessed with the chicken from lifetime um if anyone you yeah, definitely go to that hot bar and get it but i've been getting a few like tiktok videos about like specifically cooking chicken from like people that are like I was a culinary chef and here's the best way to cook chicken or like here's the only way to get juicy chicken and I actually actually um I still have not made the jump uh to ever cook chicken yet I've cooked beef cooked every type of fish but I just something about handling chicken freaks me out so I was actually thinking this week like maybe we rip off the band-aid and stop being a pussy and do chicken but it hasn't happened for me yet yeah I feel like you could start off with or you could do like a ground turkey or ground chicken and then get into the chicken breast. It doesn't um, even gross me out. I think for me, it's like I love the idea of like a big like roasted like chicken. Like when people do like a big like pot roast, not yeah. pot roast, but like a big thing in their oven. But then I'm like, fuck, I'd have chicken for like seven years. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. You have to just buy the little individual containers of just yeah. the two little breasts or the tenders. Yeah. Um. So those are intro topics. Um. Live, laugh, and love. A lot happened for us this past week that was new, and it wasn't the weather or us um, not turning on our AC. Yeah, surprisingly. I still haven't turned on my AC now that it's cold again, so. Me neither. 
Live, laugh, and love. Um. Anyways, uh, we're going to talk about U.S. versus Europe. I kind of thought of this podcast when I was getting a bunch of TikToks of girlies like, oh, my God, I go to Europe and I lose 12 pounds and I can eat gluten 12 times a day and not gain a single pound. And I've heard that a lot. I'm sure you guys have heard it, too. And so we wanted to do a little investigation if that is bullshit or has some validity to it. Oh, yeah. This is a pretty dense episode. So I hope you people are ready and have brain cells for it yeah i hope you blocked up a lot of your fucking tuesday to listen to this episode because it's gonna be a long one but Mm -hmm. we hope you enjoy and i'll call you back and let's get into it we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our next partner is a product that Emma and I take every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to find a greens powder that actually blended together. The taste is hands down the best greens powder I've been able to find. It even has a mild tropical taste and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, you name it. For me, I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I've always known that taking a greens powder is a great addition to one's wellness routine, but I could just never get past the unpleasant taste. This completely changed once I started taking Athletic Greens. It tastes so good that I actually look forward to drinking it every morning, something I never knew was possible. Plus, Athletic Greens contains dairy-free probiotics. And let me tell you, my digestion has never been better. Another thing that Emma and I love is that it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, CMOS girlies, sit down, pencils down, notebooks out. You are getting a a fat little history lesson here with Kate and Emma. So we're going to start off with a more macro view at U.S. versus Europe. Um, Also, a few CMOS girlies asked for like, could you look at Latin America? Could you look, look at the global south? Could you look at Africa? We definitely could do more specific ones. Europe was just like the first like 
corollary example I thought of because of that like quote of like I go to Europe and I can eat all the gluten so definitely can do more of of these episodes if you guys like them so to start off for U.S. and Europe we're going to look at the different laws and kind of why that affects like what food is available what the food system looks like and also like cultural stuff that impacts foods like U.S. very individualistic like have lost a lot of sense of communities based on that rugged individualism and capitalism in America and that's kind of why like food outcomes are so different um, in the U.S. So when we look at the system in the U.S., we have a federal government um, and Europe, you know, dictates stuff by country. So America's food system is therefore federally regulated and Europe's food isn't. So it's country specific, like what happens. The federal body um, in the U.S. is called the Food and Drug Administration, which is accountable for most food products. And then the Food Safety Inspection Services and the USDA deal with poultry, meat and eggs. So that's looking into like the production, the manufacturing, and then also like the safety compliance of those foods. Um, all food in the 27 countries that make up the European Union, they're regulated by one body, which is called the European Food Safety Authority. And this body has laws that apply to every single country that I just mentioned, or the 27 countries. And it has much stricter food regulations than we do here in the U.S. So that's kind of why, like, let's say you go from Italy to Greece, like, even if you're going country to country, they still have to follow the same rules. So that's like why the food quality broader is like much better than the U.S. most of the time. Um, One big reason why the food system is different between the two countries is our approach to things like chemicals and also to Roundup. So if you guys have heard of glyphosate, um, Americans overall are going to be more likely than Europeans to be exposed to Monsanto's weed killer. So if you haven't heard of glyphosate, I feel like we talked about it in the food and climate change episode. It's basically just sprayed on crops. um, And I'm going to get into more of like the scientific stuff that's been like discussed around glyphosate so the european body the efsa which i referenced before they review the science on pesticides and herbicides every decade or so and so they were in the process of looking at glyphosate and kind of seeing like okay um should we like outlaw this should we keep this in practice what should we do and the international agency research on cancer declared that glyphosate is a probable human carcinogen which was back in 2015 and so the eu is now reviewing the safety it's been reviewing the safety from like 2017 to 2022 because most critics say that like glyphosate has links to cancer it has detrimental impacts on insects and marine invertebrates therefore like we shouldn't be putting this on the crops that humans are eating and so the results from this finding should it be outlawed it's a yes but it's kind of more technical than that so this body called the iarc they gather health data for the world health organization so that's much broader than just europe and they evaluate the hazard of a chemical and so they you know they look at if it could cause cancer they don't ask you know like they don't ask how likely that's going to happen or how many people it's going to happen to they just say like could this happen and regulatory agencies back like this european one also have to evaluate the risk of harm, which means like how much does the toxicity affect people? Like how often are people exposed to this chemical? And so given the trace amounts of glyphosate that people are typically exposed to and therefore ingest, the EPA, which is in the United States, the Environmental Protection Agency, and then other regulatory bodies, they've all concluded that glyphosate is not likely to cause cancer or other harm. And so that's like a really, really technical legal thing. It's not saying that this couldn't be linked to cancer, but it's not like a direct thing of like, you ingest this on your food crop, you get cancer. So that's why they haven't outlawed it. And the 
IARC noticed that there's just limited evidence on this cancer risk, but the regulators haven't been convinced that glyphosate is not a danger. So it's kind of in this limbo period. Um, Glyphosate was reapproved for use in 2017. And in 2022, the chemical agency in the European Union concluded that glyphosate is not carcinogenic. Carcinogenic? How do I say that word? carcinogenic that's how i say it everyone sorry um they said that glyphosate is basically not going to cause cancer but it can cause serious eye damage and is toxic to aquatic life so it's kind of interesting that even though it's kind of linked to cancer um studies haven't been like had such a clear cause so glyphosate is still good to go in europe as well as the u.s but here's the thing in the united states the epa has maintained that there's absolutely no risk to human health based on the current way we use glyphosate and then there's no evidence that it causes cancer um and these weed killers as an example just so you have an idea it's used on nearly half of all planted corn and soybeans in the u.s and if you know anything about the food system corn and soybeans are like everything in the u.s like it's going to be in every single food that we produce and the epa has different safety limits than the european union and this is going to be the main point that the epa's safety limits for glyphosate exposure from food are twice the likely or twice the levels that are allowed in the european union so while people in europe are still they're able to have glyphosate like sprayed on their food it's twice as bad in the u.s so a lot of us are going to have like a worse um probably worse uh chance of being exposed to carcinogenic properties in these foods so overall some studies have found that there's like this increased cancer rate and higher levels exposure but other researchers kind of say that there's like limited data on glyphosate like leading to any sort of disease with humans so tbd on that um the next thing in terms of like food system is how does food labeling work in the u.s versus in europe this isn't as like juicy it's pretty like small differences so the fda in the u.s requires packaged food to state the name of the food the amount of the product where the manufacturer from and the address of the manufacturer, the packer, the distributor, and the ingredients listed. And the ingredients also have to be listed in descending order, meaning like the most used ingredient to the least least used ingredient. We talked about this in the episode about like sugar. I I feel like we did a full episode on sugar. Basically, if you look at granola bars, oftentimes they use different sugars so then they can say that like it was... give me some sugars. It was honey and maple syrup and monk fruit. And so then, well, not monk fruit, that's artificial, but you get the point that you can split it all up versus like listing sugar as the first ingredient because it's coming from multiple sources versus one. So that's something that's very common in packaged food in the US. So Europe still has like the same shit as that. And then in the US, we have to list um, eight major allergens on product, but the EU has actually expanded that to 14 different allergens. It's like kind of interesting ones, which are like expanded beyond that. So another interesting thing is that that calories in the U.S. and serving sizes go on products, but the EU system doesn't base caloric counts on serving size. So they have like on their products, the number of servings per container isn't required on a European food label. And so food labeling is like mostly similar between the two countries, but the biggest differences become in the part of additives and GMOs, which Emma and I will talk about now and later in the episode. Yeah. So let's talk about genetically modified crops or GMOs. So really the biggest difference between the U.S. and the EU when it comes to GMOs is that they are fully banned in the EU versus the U.S. where about 90% of maize, cotton, and soy are genetically modified crops. These are also subsidized crops. So that is why they are so commonly found in most packaged goods and a lot of like cheap stuff and like most fast food products. And the biggest reason why the EU doesn't allow for GMOs is really because of this risk-benefit balance. And so many people, the general public, really view it as very unfavorable due to most of the environmental and negative health impacts that GMOs can potentially cause. 
But in the U.S. and for countries that do utilize GMOs, the biggest argument for it is that it can significantly boost crop yields. Um, and this is definitely important for when we try to figure out how we're going to feed a growing population and then also just like food scarcity in general. And also with GMOs, another argument is that it can reduce the reliance for herbicides, but that not, is not necessarily the case, which I'll get into in a bit. But interestingly, a 2016 report from the National Research Council actually found evidence that yields increased um, faster in non-GM varieties versus GM corn, cotton, and soy. And then corn yields have also been increasing at a relatively the same pace between both EU and the U.S. over uh, over the few decades. So, of course, like, again, like I said, like, how we will feed a growing population is, like, a separate conversation. But I think defaulting to using genetically modified crops may not be as necessary as we all think because there is still validity in being able to produce similar yields with just normal farming practices without gen genetically modified crops versus using genetically modified crops. Um, and, like, right now, there really is, like, little evidence to show that GM crops are harmful for those who eat them. But the biggest issue that comes when talking about genetically modified crops is like having to do with glyphosate, which I know Kate talked a lot about just now, but kind of getting into like, how does this tie to overall health and like, how does this maybe then impact Americans versus Europeans is largely due to like nutrient deficiencies. So most GM crops, they are engineered for the resistance of herbicide glyphosate, and that's why they became so popular in American agriculture. And this would basically allow farmers to spray glyphosate over an entire field and it would only kill the weeds versus like having to spray the single weeds. It's just much easier to spray an entire field versus like going in between the rows of the corn or the soy to get the weeds and like not touching the plants. But glyphosate, and this is actually something that I learned in this book that I read not too long ago, I think it's called like what are plants ate or how are plants ate or something. Um, the one that it took me 10 months to read, but so glyphosate was actually initially patented as a metal shellator. So its main purpose was to clean out crud in pipes, but when glyphosate is exposed to soil, it has the ability to tie up minerals like copper, iron, magnesium, and zinc, and pretty much make them unavailable to plants. And it also dramatically decreases manganese uptake in plants. And so this really can lead to plants having like low levels of critical minerals and plants, which means like we're attaining fewer minerals and vitamins from our food. And so this is kind of why you often hear the statistic of you have to eat like twice as much broccoli today than you would 50 years ago to obtain the same amount of nutrients. And of course, there's so many other factors that go into play in terms of like how we farm and cultivate our, our crops today versus back then. Um, but oftentimes, like, these minerals, vitamins, and chemical compounds can also contribute to, like, the flavor of a plant. And I think this is why a lot of people often say, like, when they go to Europe or France and have food, they always talk about how, like, so fresh and flavorful everything tasted. And it's likely due to the fact that they're just being exposed to foods that have lower levels of glyphosate. And this, like, doesn't mean also that, like, Europeans don't have flavorless food or that, like, Europeans don't have any deficiencies. But these little farming practices do have, like, a huge role. And glyphosate is used in the EU, but it's, like, not at the same scale compared to America. Um, and then kind of getting into the quality of grains. I think so many people always talk about, I was able to eat so much bread and I, like, wasn't bloated versus, like, in America. And there is a little bit of interesting differences between how grains are grown and cultivated in America versus Europe. And it's largely due to the type of wheat variety that is grown. So 60% of U.S. wheat is from the hard wheat variety, with 23 coming from the soft wheat variety, which is what the European nations typically grow. And the biggest difference is that like hard red wheat 
has a higher protein content, aka gluten, while the soft wheat has a lower protein gluten content. And the softer wheat is typically more favorable for like pastries and softer baked goods like that versus the bread that Americans eat. Um, And so this is why people who are perhaps more sensitive to bread in America, when they go to Europe and are eating bread that's made from the softer wheat that has lower gluten content, they might have an easier time digesting. We're also going to get kind of into the more cultural differences and that will kind of further explain like why perhaps when you're in Europe versus America, why you might experience different things in terms of digestion. And then also, again, kind of tying it back to glyphosate, this is sprayed on U.S. wheat to kill bacteria and dry it out to prep for harvest. And glyphosate can also disrupt or kill the bacteria um, like in our gut. So when we're consuming foods that have glyphosate and it still has that residue, it can kill the gut bacteria in us. And then some of these bacteria, like members of the, of the bifidiobacterium species, have been shown to basically make it more challenging to basically digest gluten. And again, like this practice is less widespread in Europe and some countries have even banned it completely, the use of glyphosate. So you're just more likely going to be exposed to an America versus Europe. And then coming into the quality of dairy. So in the U.S., 36% of the population is lactose intolerant and it's a little bit lower in Europe. When it comes to kind of the processing of and the production of dairy, there are few differences, but nothing too crazy drastic. Um, So in the U.S., most dairy is pretty much fully refrigerated versus in Europe. It's common to see dairy on regular shelves, and this comes down to the pasteurization methods. So in Europe, most milk is going to be pasteurized through a process called ultra-high temperature, or UHT, and this process this process um, kills bacteria and can lead to a longer shelf life product without the use of refrigeration versus in America, we follow a different method called high temperature short time. And this kills the most bacteria, but it calls then for refrigeration. But however, both of these methods result in the same amount of lactose content because really ultimately at the end of the day, like if you're unable to digest dairy, it's because you're like lactose intolerant. Um, And then kind of getting to RBGH, this is a growth hormone. This is banned in Europe, but it is allowed in the U.S. And the whole reason for the use of this growth hormone is to increase milk production. And this has been banned in Europe since the 1990s. And the biggest concern around it is that it is known to increase hormone IGF-1. And it's been shown that this can cause cells to grow, which some believe then is correlated to like prostate cancer, breast cancer, and other type of cancers. Um, you have probably seen when you go shopping for milk in the United States that a lot of milk cartons will have a little label or somewhere on the carton that says like, this is RBGH free. That's just what it means is that the dairy cows that produce the milk that you're buying were not given this growth hormone, but cows can also experience like an increased risk of lameness disease by 55% at times and also other other effect infections. So RBGH, definitely no bueno. And that can certainly have an impact on the quality of dairy and how your body's able to process it. And I also just want to touch on kind of like the treatment of dairy cows in the U.S. So the overuse of like antibiotics, all the dairy cows kind of living in feedlots where there might be over like a thousand cows in a very cramped space. And then also like a fully grain-based diet can certainly lead to higher levels of inflammation in cows and then further the dairy that we consume. And a typical like ratio that you can expect from just your normal usual dairy that you buy from the supermarket that like isn't organic and isn't grass-fed, et cetera, can have a 
omega six to three ratio upwards to six to one versus an ideal ratio, which is one to one. And then also the overuse of antibiotics can lead to us humans being antibiotic resistant. And it's interesting because like in the Netherlands, they were doing like research and they actually found that the connection between the antibiotic use in veterinary healthcare and AMR, which is antimicrobial resistant infections in humans. So when they did this research and did the discovery of this link, they started to lower their use of antibiotics and actually saw a reduction in antimicrobial resistant infections in humans. But like ultimately at the end of the day, there's really no clear evidence to support these claims. They need to look at the full picture. And like Europe isn't like a perfect place either. Like they still have conventional farming practices, but it's just not at the scale that United States has. So we're just definitely more prone to being exposed to this type of stuff. And also just the production of most cheap processed foods is far more common in America versus Europe. Yeah, I was going to say culturally, I think in the United States, um, after like the World Wars, when fast foods and convenience foods became more accessible and, you know, we didn't have to eat everything that was just like a potato from the ground. We had like new chemicals and additives that can make food have a longer shelf life. Um, I think Americans got used to that. And even when you go to Europe now, I feel like I see the TikToks of like, oh, my God, I can't wear my sweatpants in Europe because like that's not allowed here. Like there is still like a certain level of like i'm not gonna say like professionalism or like just more cultured than than the u.s when you could like go to a store at um 2 a.m to get like chicken tenders that god knows when those chicken tenders were like put in there like i feel like we're, we're used to that convenience versus like doesn't happen in europe as much but european girlies like correct me if i'm wrong because i'm sure you guys have like convenience stores and like fast food locations as well but i don't know culturally if it's like the same thing and like globalization i'm sure it is so Maybe I'm talking out of my ass. I probably am to a degree. Uh, Next point is about banned chemicals and artificial products in Europe that Americans still eat. This is interesting that there's so many foods that are like still allowed in the U.S. that people eat every single day that Europe doesn't allow. It's kind of like banned books where it's just interesting that like, yeah, some people just don't have access to stuff like that's crazy. So European Union, as I mentioned before, they're going to be the one that prohibits and severely restricts different foods and particularly many food additives because these food additives have been linked to cancer but these things are still used in a lot of american-made bread cookies soft drinks and other processed foods europe also bars the use of several drugs that are actually used in the farm animals that like we use in the united states and many european countries limit the cultivation and import of gmos so as emma talked about gmos like there's a lot of products that aren't even allowed entry into the country and or into the european union so all these countries which is very interesting And as I mentioned kind of earlier in the government stuff, well, I don't think I mentioned this yet, but rulemaking. So in the United States, food additives, like let's say I were to create a new food additive right now, um, the government would believe that this food additive is innocent and not going to harm people unless I was proven wrong versus in Europe, if I were to make a new food additive, food additives are proven to be harmful unless they are approved for use. So that's why like some stuff goes to market and then years later, it's like, shit we got to take that off market because now we're able to fund studies to test this thing versus in europe they do that on day one which keeps like 
people like keeps things a lot more safe in the u.s we kind of offer the alternative because i'm imagining the logic is like capitalism let's just have a new product like let's just pump shit out in the market versus like test for safety so that's an interesting note so the reason that that's important is because we see growth hormones and chemical preservatives in food production in the u.s versus this body in europe the efsa is strictly against the use of hormones and strongly advises against manufacturers using preservatives so it's just more shunned for people to even like imagine putting these things into their products if they're to make something in europe and so a few of these products like you may have heard before may have not I'm going to get into a few of them. The ones you've definitely heard of are like yellow food dyes, number five and number six, red dye 40. Like you cannot have that shit in Europe, but we have that in a lot of processed foods in the U.S. Um, one is called, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. It's called ADA, but it's the fancy chemical name is azodiocarbonamide. And it's a whitening agent that is used in cereal flour as a dough conditioner. So this breaks down during like the baking into chemicals and it can cause cancer uh, in certain lab animals. But it's still used in the bread at most fast food restaurants, specifically Subway uses this. Um, so that's it's cool to know. Our government cares about us um, and doesn't ban that. And then the next one is bromated vegetable oil or BVO. Um, it contains bromine, which is the element found in bromated flame retardants. And a study suggests that it can build up in the body and lead to memory loss, skin problems, and nerve problems. But the government says that it's safe in small amounts, so um, we're allowed to have it. The product that this one is mostly found in is going to be Mountain Dew. Um, I don't know, has Olipop made like a Mountain Dew dupe? Um, but if not, they should get into that because I don't want people uh, drinking Mountain Dew if it has that in it. Um, yeah. The next thing is that some products that are shelf products actually have to make different like US versus UK versions to use like the UK as an example. So one product is when you look at Quaker oats, when they make like the single serving like oat packages that have different ingredients in it. So I'm not just talking about like fucking rolled oats. Um, they took this strawberries and like cream flavor as an example. In the UK, it's actually called summer berries. But the US ingredient list has like 20 different things. It has whole grain oats, oats as the first one and then it has sugar creaming agent which uses maldrodexin sunflower and palm oils whey sodium castronate and then it uses all this crazy shit like red 40 citric acid guar gum artificial flavor citric acid again niacinamide palmitate reduced iron monotrilate thigh like all this stuff and in europe on the opposite side or in the uk it says the only ingredients are going to be the whole oats sugar freeze-dried raspberry pieces freeze-dried strawberry pieces and natural flavoring so that's just something to pay attention to. And then ketchup is very different. And that's a pretty easy example. In the UK, all that's in ketchup is going to be tomatoes, vinegar, sugar, salt, and spices. And then in the US, it's tomato concentrate, vinegar, corn syrup, salt, sugar, onion powder. So my take on that is like, as long as you're reading labels, you're fine. Like if you can read that, like something has these crazy chemicals in it, like don't choose it. Um, and you know, in the food culture we have in like 2023, like there's like primal kitchen makes like sugar-free like ketchup and like you, there are alternatives on the market. You don't have to like go make your own like ketchup from scratch if you're freaked out about that stuff. But it's just to say that, yeah, it's interesting that like the food labeling stuff is pretty different, um, country to country. Yeah. 
And broader, again, we're going to get into health outcomes in Europe versus the U.S. because I think it's easy for like people to go to Europe and be like, oh my God, it like looks so perfect there. Like everyone's healthy and like outside and doing this and whatever. Um, And it's kind of hard to know if that's actually like the grass is greener or not. So more on the U.S. So given America's wealth and status in the world, some people would assume and like you would hope that we, we would be one of the healthiest nations in the world. Like we have all this access to fresh food and education and information and whatever. But statistics show otherwise. Um, heart disease is the number one cause of death in the United States. And the Bloomberg Global Health Index looks at the general personal health of a person. So it kind of looks at how our nation's citizens are posed against different health risks. So it looks at tobacco use, high blood pressure, obesity, etc. And it also looks at macro like systemic stuff, like availability of clean water, average life expectancy, malnutrition, cause of death, Oh, I have a package or something in my door. We'll see if it goes away. I actually don't think that's for me. Sorry if we can. Did you even hear that, Emma? I don't know. Um, I didn't hear it. Oh, no. awesome. I just a buzz that went off. Um, sometimes when packages are delivered, someone will just like slam all of the buttons, even if it's not for me. Yeah, um, happens to me too. Because it's nine o'clock. Who's trying to get in? Besides the point. I was saying there's this global health index. It looks at like personal health stuff. And then it looks at also like systemic, like if you have clean drinking water in your country, United States was not even listed in the top 10 healthiest countries. And we weren't in the top 20. We were way further down the list as being 34 in the world regarding health. And we're actually at 50 in regard to average life expectancy, which is crazy to think, as I said, about wealth and resources. One reason for like, well, there's a lot of reasons for the decline of America, and that could be a um, a novel that I won't get into. But in terms of health stuff, like food additives are a big thing that like changes our food system versus other countries, which I won't harp on anymore. But it's like a significant culprit for heart disease in the United States compared to the European Union, at least like they have a long history of prioritizing small scale local farming. And in 2002, the European Union passed this law called the General Food Law. And this law kind of has this overarching theme of protecting human life, encouraging other countries within the EU to really care about food safety. And they created like once again, this EFSA, which I mentioned earlier, that provides the scientific advice around like animal welfare and plant health and food safety and nutrition. And so their policymakers are much more informed and actually care about food quality versus the U.S. Like whenever farm bills try to get passed in the U.S. from my knowledge on like Senate and House stuff is like most of the time it's talking about subsidies. Most of the times it's talking about um, if there are different like weather fluctuations in terms of like affecting a crop. It's not actually like let's go update the my plate thing that is so outdated or let's go give people like health and nutrition like information from the government like that's not something the u.s cares about um and so another thing i want to say is that like health problems are not random i think people are like oh how did we get in this mess like it's a direct choice from our lawmakers it's a direct response from laws and regulations that have been passed or the lack thereof of regulations in the u.s like we started in the reagan era 1980s and that's kind of why this like food problem has started Yeah, and then kind of getting into the whole comment of, like, I lost 10 pounds in Europe and I was eating pasta and bread. Like, yes, there's obviously some major differences in terms of, like, how the U.S. and the European nations go about, like, laws, regulatory practices, and farming practices, but also there's still a lot of similarities. Like, people in Europe still have access to, you know, sugar, ice cream, fast food. They also work nine-to-five jobs where they're probably being very sedentary as well and like they smoke a lot drink there's you know plenty of opportunity for them to be 
unhealthy too. But I think too, like when America's Americans go to Europe, like most of us are going there for our vacation, right? So we're only there for a short period of time. And when you're in Europe, you're likely going to be walking around more. You're probably taking 15 to 20 K steps a day just because there's like lack of reliance on cars. They are also just cities or places that are more, yeah, designed for to be more walkable places versus us where most of us have to have a car there's not really a safe place for you to walk to go to the grocery store or be able to walk to the post office um like in most parts of europe the common amount of like steps that people take is about like five to six k steps on average which doesn't seem that crazy versus the us where it's three to four k which actually feels a lot higher than what it should be and like yeah what like a 1000 step difference may not sound like a lot but that does totally add up over time but like when you are walking in on vacation a it can help reduce cortisol but it can also support digestion and breaking down the meal you ate so if you're walking a lot more than you usually do and you're eating like pasta you know, your body is able to process that and break it down. So you may not feel as bloated anymore because your body's actually like able to a use a little bit of that energy and then just kind of get things moving and going. And also too, like when we're in Europe, again, we're probably there for vacation. So you're going to just naturally be in a more relaxed state. We live in such stressful, you know, we all live very stressful lives when we're in America and like cortisol and elevated stress levels can significantly impact your sleep, digestion, mood energy levels hormones you name it and all of that can result in you maybe not feeling your best whether that's like feeling super bloated indigestion maybe you're carrying extra water weight you name it um and then also americans typically eat meals at a far quicker pace and typically alone we all shovel our little salad bowls when we're sitting at our desk answering emails versus europeans where they'll take like one to two hours for having a relaxing lunch and the rate at which you eat can have a huge impact on your digestion. So these are definitely like little things that you can easily implement into your day-to-day life in the U.S. And I'm sure over time you would probably see at least better results after eating versus whatever it is that you experience now. Yeah, I was going to make a comment about vacations too because I think people act like it's very different to live in a like live in Europe from the US like you have decided you want to relocate yourself there versus vacation anywhere because vacation you're like aimlessly walking there's no tasks you have to do you don't have to like do laundry you don't have to like do your work stuff so you're likely to be much more stress-free like Emma said and I just feel like it's such like a bullshit thing when people are like it's so random like I'm just so chill on vacation it's like yeah okay congrats you're doing vacation correctly like that's what's supposed to be happening and then another thing about like culture and maybe structure of food in a day this is obviously very specific to like country city community because like some countries lunch is the biggest meal of the day and you like take it over three hours and you eat with like 50 people and then other countries like emma said like the u.s it's like go sit and eat your sweet green in a corner like by yourself with your airpods in um and i think portions are very different like i didn't get into this but when you look at like i know a lot of people love to look at mcdonald's in different countries and how different it is in the u.s because the food is different and then also portion sizes are very different in the u.s versus other countries like those diet or i think people make the comment about um like people make a comment about how like coffee is different in Europe, obviously, but all of those diet sodas and like those mega supersized sodas, if like a European came here and saw those like big gulp cups, I think they would lose their mind. And all of like the weird, I feel like processed snacks and stuff that we have that are like 
I was looking on those like a few days ago of like the early 2000s snacks where it's like purple ketchup and like weird stuff like that, um, which clearly is not really like real food. And then community is another one. We did a whole episode about longevity in the blue zones. And I think that's a much more of a priority about like actually eating dinner with your family. I'm like very grateful that my parents, like we sat down every single day for family dinner, even if like two of us had volleyball practice, even if like one of us was going to be there for two minutes, like we knew that that was a practice. And I think that actually like helped so much. Um, and I think that's like something I want to continue into, like if I have kids one day, like to do that. So yeah, I feel like stress and community are like not sexy things. Cause it sounds very like abstract to be like, these things impact your health. Cause you can't tangibly like think about it. I even think that about stress. I'm like, okay, be less stressed. And then I like stare at the wall and I'm like, I don't even know how to do that. So it's hard, but yeah, that's the Europe US, I guess, debacle um, that we've unleashed for you guys. Yeah. Lots of differences, but also lots of similarities. Same shit, different country, different continent. Um, You know the deal, but yeah, hopefully that was insightful. If you want us to do like US and other countries or other continents let us know um we could definitely get into that i think we could even do something specific like down the line about like new york because i'm really interested in like looking into the map of like food apartheid and also looking into like la to like speak about Erwan and how like out of touch that is with like median income so we could be our economics girlies soon if you guys want that type of app yeah we can put any hat on that you guys want any hat but the hat that i'm and i are going to put on now is sleepy time hat so i hope you guys enjoyed the episode pleasure to pot with you dog yeah super fun stuff (laughs) all right i'll talk to you guys i'll talk to you emma when i talk to you tomorrow morning about memes but we'll talk to you guys next week like comment subscribe and we'll see you next tuesday night everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.